Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the 2A Lifestyle. I greatly appreciate you for listening in to another episode. Uh, with us, we have a great guest, and before we start getting into that, let's go ahead and start getting the house rules in order. If you haven't already, go ahead and check out our social media. We are everywhere at 2A Lifestyle. That's 2 spelled out, T-W-O-A Lifestyle, except for Instagram. It, 2 is the number 2A Lifestyle. Uh, also, check out our Patreon. Uh, that is the best way to support the podcast. We greatly appreciate any support that you guys give us. Anything that you give goes directly into this podcast. doesn't go to line my pockets like Wayne LaPierre. Uh, so anything you guys give us on Patreon is greatly appreciated. And also, go ahead and hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening. That is the best way to keep up with new episodes as they come out. And also, if you can, leave us a review. Uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes, which is kind of like the Cadillac of podcasts, you know, platforms. Uh, it helps people find us when they're looking for gun-related content. And also now, like I said before, you can leave a review on Spotify. It's pretty easy. You just uh, like a one through five star system. So you don't even have to leave a like a little message or anything like that. Uh, so just leave us a review. You don't have to say how sultry my voice is or anything. But uh, with that, let's go ahead and start getting into the main segment and start getting into the podcast. with us we have ethan uh ethan i don't know if you want to do you want your last name put out there or that, that's fine yeah okay all right we have ethan wagner with us uh from live free armory uh and ethan go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and what live free armory is so uh i'm i'm from florida originally i actually uh in 2007 i joined the army uh stayed in until about 2014 when i actually got in a car accident and had to get out a drunk driver hit me while I was on a motorcycle. Well, while I was doing that, I decided to go to school for engineering and uh, became a mechanical engineer. I actually graduated in 2019 from UCF for mechanical engineering. Um, that's when I started Live Free Armory as a machinist. Uh, started as a machinist, just running machines, then got into doing the engineering with the owner and uh, became a full-fledged engineer after I graduated from college. So Live Free Armory as a whole... We're actually a relatively young company. The company's only six, seven years old now. Um, started in 308 AR and AR-15. So the basic, basically, the uh, the owner wanted the, he he didn't like how AR-10s weren't very good, you know, six, seven years ago. So he wanted to make his own, and that that's how it all started in his garage. And then we got into uh, making actual Glock slides. We make Glock slide. We make more Glock slides than just about everybody else. There's only like one other company I know of that makes on par or more than we do. So we're, we're one of the largest uh, Glock slide manufacturers. And we make uh, Glock slides, AR-15s, AR-10s, and now we have the uh, AMP pistol. That's the aluminum match grade pistols coming out this year. Uh, well, it should be coming out any day now. We just finished our torture test on it uh, this uh, Thursday. So... It's it's been a long week for me, and uh, I'm the primary design engineer for the uh, company at this. Point. Now my boss Colby is the owner. He's also an engineer, but he's got a bunch of owner stuff to do. So yeah, he he leaves it to me for the most part. Nice. And about how many? Like how big is the company? How many like people work there? Uh, we're roughly around a hundred employees. Uh, we have eighty machines. So if you can 
Basically, if you can design it, I can machine it. I just added two uh, fifth axis machines with robots. That's really cool. Um, and kind of a learning curve because it's, it's, it's hard to program the robots and get your mind around five axis machining. It's, we, we're normally a four and three axis type shop, and now we're getting to five axis. So now the more complex parts we can machine properly. So I do a lot of the programming design. I, I, we're a small enough company. I have to do a lot of different. Nice. And you said you just uh, got done torturing uh, the new pistol. So what is y'all's torture test? You know, what is involved in that? So uh, actually, you're going to be the first place that we're saying it publicly but uh we shot 10,000 rounds without stopping um on thursday night into friday morning uh and my hand is very swollen from shooting that much but that was the main thing is we want so we've broken every part of this gun at some point or another and then we have to go back and tweak it a little bit to try to get it stronger change material we had to do all the engineering from the ground up because there's only a few of these type, uh, we'll call it uh, Glock-like pistol, that are made of complete metal and on the market. And as far as I know, all of them have severe shortcomings and don't work very well. At least all the ones that we got as part of our R&D process did not work very well. So uh, we shot 10,000 rounds. That was That's the point. We just need to make sure that the FCU is going to uh, survive for a lifetime. That that FCU is the serialized part. Every other part I can replace relatively easily. Uh, the serialized part I don't want to have to make somebody redo paperwork or do you know jump through a bunch of hoops. So the FCU has to be perfect, and that's what we were trying to get done. Um, but the amp is uh, aluminum match grade pistol. It takes all Gen three Glock parts. It will take Gen four triggers. Uh, we actually cut that so that Gen four triggers would work. But uh, we, we designed it from the ground up to take Gen 3 compatible parts for your Glock. So if you have a favorite slide, the idea is, you know, you buy the base amp. If you want to customize it, it's not going to break the bank. And the base amp is going to be $700 MSRP. Nice. And where, well, okay, so let me back up just a little bit. So uh, in regards to the amp, uh that's what I initially, you know, I, I met you guys at SHOT Show. Uh, you know, I held one in my hand. It's really, it's a really nice pistol. And you would think that with, you know, because it almost looked like it could be like maybe a little bit bulkier in the hand. Because like, you know, I'm 6'5", I got big hands. Uh, but my wife was with me and, you know, she's like 5'5", five, five, you know. I give her an inch over here and there and say she's 5'6". But, you know, she's got smaller hands and she was able to hold it relatively, you know, um, comfortable in her hand it felt really nice uh you know so in regards to the amp uh you know was there you know you said you started making slides was there a reason why you guys went with uh the whole firearm something that you guys wanted to you know just kind of redo the whole metal frame uh that was so there was two owners and one of them has since retired uh it was actually his idea initially to go with an aluminum frame glock uh, we were actually just going to make the frame and then offer the frame by itself, and it just kind of morphed into what the amp is now. Okay. And that 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 whole system, it, it's like, hey, well, I can't. Con it comes down to us being able to control things. I can't control how somebody machines. Oh, I'm going to say machine in quotation marks. A uh, poly 80 frame. We get a lot of issues with those because people don't know how to drill a hole straight. And they're doing it on a drill press at home. So we want to control as many things as, and and try to eliminate the 
customer issues that they're going to see. I have, so I know plenty of people that have gotten the poly 80s and they've gone a little too haywire either with drilling or with, you know, shaving off pieces. And, and you know, I always tell them whenever somebody gets a poly 80 that I said, you know, you can always shave off more if it doesn't fit, but you can't put shit back on there. Exactly. Uh, so these amp pistols, they're, I mean, really really nice seem really well built uh you know what's the ounce difference between a um what you know what is the ounce difference between a normal glock and the ant pistol i mean it's it's heavier it's not it's not really heavy uh i'm not sure what a glock actually weighs because i remember when we have a a scale in the and we took an amp and we took a glock and threw it on there it's like oh it's really close and then that was the end of my uh, input on that one. So uh, I'm not sure the, the exact number, but we the, the word I use is marginal. I mean, you're talking, you know, maybe seven, eight ounces. I got you. Yeah, I'm just doing a little quick Googling right now. It's so like the Glock 19 unloaded. Uh, of course, it's in fucking grams because it's a uh, it's a European. Uh, 21.6 ounces. Yeah, and ours is uh of course we did uh 1.7 pounds so we'll have to <laughs> that real quick yeah it's i mean it's close because i mean i i couldn't really notice i mean notice anything because i mean i carried glocks because you know in my career uh i carried glocks for gosh eight or nine years out of my 12 or 13 uh that i've been in and you know it, it's nothing noticeable. So I mean, it's not like you're adding a whole bunch. Uh, what type of uh, metal are you guys using for the frame? So the frame is actually 6061 T6 billet, T6 billet aluminum. Now, what you see a lot of these, uh, well, a lot of the aluminum frame stuff that I've seen is actually a forging that they then machine. Mm-hmm. We're machining it out of a solid block of aluminum, and then we're we take it from a square and then make it a gun. <laughs> so nice. Uh, the slides uh, 416 are stainless heat treated, um, and the FCU was 416. Uh, once again, we're not we haven't said anything publicly yet, but we just changed the material to make a to a stronger material on the uh, fire control unit, and it's going to be 17.4. That's going nice. to be heat treated. I'm getting and we found the, issues. So. Yeah, I'm getting into blacksmithing, so like all these numbers for metal are starting to make sense to me now. So for for the people that like the lay terms, like me a year ago has no idea what that means. Just more stronger. You know, we'll trust the engineers in regards to that. But yeah, it's really nice. And so the MSRP is is coming in like right at seven hundred dollars. Um, yep. And you are making both a 19 and a 17 model, if I remember correctly. So uh, the base model at launch is just going to be the 19 or uh, was it compact? Uh, it's going to be a compact model. Then the beauty of the uh, the amp design is I can then make whatever lower I want to and just bolt it in. Yeah. And we had a at Shot Show we had our prototype of our uh, we call it the Amp X. It's the 17 frame with the compact slide. Nice. And uh, also something I thought was really cool uh, was the grip panels. So, uh, and, I, and I've kind of talked about it because I'm, you know, kind of one of them things I'm more recently than blacksmithing, but like I'm getting into like 3D printing, um, you know, this whole fucking drought that we've had since 2020, uh, you know, you can't really get guns or something. So I've been doing other things like fixing up my house, getting into gunsmithing or not gunsmithing, blacksmithing and uh, like 3D printing and stuff. Um, but you got 
what's kind of nice about it because a lot of people what they like to do and um, a good buddy Jack at Rocket City Stippling who you know does amazing stippling work uh, on polymer frame firearms is that you know you can have you know an option of different grip panels uh, and at least in you know from what I saw again you know I'm not the engineer but from what I saw it looks like you could have custom things you know if you wanted to you know custom panels um but you know the grip panels were pretty nice for like personalization if you want like extra grip you know because that's one thing a lot of people you know of course they like to do uh you know gucci out their their glocks you know you buy a, a 600 dollars glock and then you add like a thousand dollars of additional shit to it to make it kind of gucci um make it look good for the gram as they say so uh you know what are some of the the cool features you know i noticed that you said it takes like all like gen 3 parts but what is some of the differences obviously because of the metal frame uh the big thing is we had to develop our own uh mag catch uh so that that part is proprietary it uses a 1911 spring and nut if you're familiar with that system uh basically it's a nut inside of there that turns 90 degrees and then holds your uh, mag catch in. So I had to develop the mag catch myself. Um, the only other proprietary part that you're not going to be able to change out is actually my, uh, it's the slide uh, takedown lever. Uh, we couldn't, we had to make it bigger because square holes and round tools don't work too well. So we changed the design on that. But that's going to come installed on it. Um, the grip panels, the nice thing about grip panels, right now we're machining them out of a uh, 6061 aluminum. And then the how we get the texture on them that's that you see in the the product photos and at Shot Show is we actually have uh, we got five fiber lasers um, and we laser that imagery on there and the stippling on there. Um, the plan is to offer not only different stipple patterns on the your your side grip panels, but as I've been talking with a few different things at Shot Show, I was there to get G10 material. Uh, the size that we need it. So, uh, and I've, I've actually been talking with a grip company that uh, they're going to probably be releasing something or at least selling it to us um, so that we could release it with the pistol. So we want to include G10 as a material for the grip panels and then have choices for your stippling package. Like if you wanted, say, Cryptek or, you know, I like hexagons. I just like them. That's why they're on the amp right now. Uh, and it looked cleanest is the way we did it. And uh, we could do different, you know, patterns on that. We were also looking at uh, some, some of the f customer feedback we got at SHOT Show. People wanted a super aggressive front and back strap cut, so that'll probably be a later iteration of the frame once I figure out how to do it, uh, putting stippling on the front and the back. It's just kind of ridged right now, just a little... It's a ball mill that comes and cuts it, but uh, we want to offer what the customer wants. And that's a big thing at Live Free Armory is customer feedback is super important. So we're not, we're not like, you know, H and K that doesn't care about our customers. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's more about the fact that a, that's a good idea. Let's incorporate it into the system. So we're building the amp catalog around the base pistol. This is the base pistol. This is what you're going to see at release. It, we're, we're in production now. It's just it getting thing that's killing me right now is the stuff that I don't make takes forever to get so yeah the small parts i don't make the small parts um and and supply chain issues we've been running into last few weeks uh but we're starting to get that all hammered out um the uh customer feedback is super important so when as soon as we got back to the shop after shot show i immediately developed a left hand slide mag release uh 
frame. So Bless that, you, sir. that'll be that'll be an option, uh, not at launch, but in this pretty soon afterwards. Like I said, different length grips. Uh, we were actually playing around with the idea of doing a short little one, uh, like a 26, but I haven't gotten the okay on that one yet. I, I haven't even designed it. I just I just thought it'd be funny to have like a 19 slide on a 26 frame. Yeah. Um, and the you know, the idea would be is right now it's the base pistol. I want to be able to have a catalog where somebody can come in and go, well, I want. I want an amp, but I want this style frame with this slide and this barrel. And basically, you get a custom gun. And if yeah, you don't like the trigger, you can switch that out. I mean, I I actually do trigger jobs on all of them right now, just to help them out because uh, we're working on the uh, our own trigger. And in the in the interim, we're uh, we're doing a standard trigger. Now, and you know, you're the engineer guy, but you know, you know a lot better than me. Is there any way like you could add like you know? interchangeable panels on the front and back like for some people you know I'm, I'm one of the weirdos i like the actual finger grips on the front of the uh the glocks uh you know you know is there any way that you guys could you know add those panels to the front and the back and also it would help for like ergonomics like bigger hands or or whatever change the stippling on that yeah uh, you are weird because nobody likes finger grips finger <laughs> grips uh no, uh, right now it, there's not enough room on the front to do that. Okay. So the the wall where the mag is, like I can't put a slide out interchangeability. Now we can talk about doing a uh, one with finger grips, finger grooves, a frame. It's like I said, it's aluminum. It's easy to cut. It's I can make it in 20 minutes. Yeah, you'd be you'd be selling like 50 of them to me and the other 49 people that like finger grooves. Yeah, yeah. Well. <laughs> But like in the back strap, the reason we don't do, we we toyed with doing a back interchangeable back strap on it. Um, it came down to we want to be able to make a magwell to go with That's it. I was about to say yeah. And we had to design a pocket and didn't really jive together. And I was running out of room because the big another big thing on the amp is, is it's a 1911 grip angle, but it uses Glock mags. So yep. those, those two angles don't really match each other very well. And then you. Know, we're trying to make it ergonomic. Now I have big hands, so everybody with big hands loves this. Uh, <laughs> actually, the original one, the original amps that we started, proto- our original prototypes were much, much larger, and they, those are super comfortable to me. Uh, but they, it was, you know, almost a quarter inch larger uh, from front to back, and it was about a hundred thou wider uh, overall. So the, the amp has gone through a lot of changes. We've been working on it for about a year. Um, in earnest as far as engineering goes. Now, the idea and the concepts and the pre-work, I call pre-work, is like, you know, getting things set up to, so we could actually work on it comes goes back all the way to 2019. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm almost the same way. Like, whenever I make knives, I have to have, like, one of my kids or something come out with normal hands because what a, a, a handle might feel well on me you know, won't feel well on, on somebody else. So, um, you know, I'm not a good test subject for ergonomics, honestly. Yeah. The ergonomics was probably, uh, one of the hardest things to design. Cause like I said, the original amp was ginormous and it felt great in my hand. And then I started putting it in other people's hands and they were like, it's too big. It's too much. This it's too this the way. I'm, okay. So we had to go back to the drawing board and kind of can I suck it up a little bit here, you know, make it skinnier there, lift this up. I need a double undercut because I like that stuff because that's how I like to shoot pistols. Is, yeah. 
high as I can. And I was like, I get slide bite on 19s like crazy, so I'm getting a beaver tail in there. Well, and then we had to, you just keep messing with it until everybody, it, it got to the point where we'd walk around the shop and I would walk up to just random people and be like, hey, hold this. What do you think? I like this. Okay, cool. <laughs> I would just go and just grab whoever I could. And then my boss would show off the gun to uh, his customers and his uh, partners and um, people he works with. You know, they're not in our company, but they they, they work with us uh, in other aspects, and, like our tooling guys. Like the tool tool rep comes in like, hey, grab that. <laughs> like, yeah. See what you see what you think about it. Um and then, like we take, we took all their feedback, and we kind of, I think we have something that's actually really special. Um, it, it actually didn't hit me until Shot Show what we had actually accomplished. Uh, not to toot my own horn or anything, but it, it's it's really cool. From me being the gun guy, I'm, there's there's a couple of gun guys at the company, but there's not any gun guys at the company that are as deep into guns as me. And there's one other guy that's super uh, big into guns. Uh, that actually does our customer service. Uh, but, it, yeah, when we had this thing finished to the point where we was, we showed it off at SHOT Show, like, this is something that I'm actually really, really proud of. And I think I think we did a really good job. But there's always room for improvement, and that's important for me to see customer feedback. If it's a good idea and I can physically, it's it's possible for me to do it, I'm going to try to do it. It might take me longer, but I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get it done. Nice. Now, when you're talking about the takedown lever, like, does this fit in uh, Glock holsters? You know, like Absolutely. I know, like, okay. I, I just was wondering because I know, like, Kydex is a little bit more snugger fit than than like maybe like Safari Land or if you have a Blackhawk, one of those trash kind of you know so holsters or something. There was one holster I had problems with, and it because uh, if you know the Kydex on the end of the holster, they sometimes they don't make it straight. They actually like curve it in a little bit on the end. Yeah. That's the only holster I ever seen that had problems getting it in there because my front end is a little wider than the Glock, but all the other Glock holsters, um, that I've tried to fit. Um, if you, in a Kydex is a super fun material and I do a lot of Kydex stuff for my competition setups, but, uh, you just heat it up, throw your gun in there, yep. squeeze a little bit. It's good to go. So, yep. But yeah, off-the-shelf Glock holsters. I I literally I bought one from T Rex Arms uh, a couple weeks ago just to have a holster for my my competition setup because I use the Safari Land forks and um, I just wanted one for my use because I'm going to start running an amp in competitions because what would it look like if I the guy that helped the primary yeah. designer on the amp didn't use an amp in competitions? It wouldn't look good. So. Uh, I wanted it for my, my belt rig, and I was like, oh, look, it fits. And then it locks in there, retentions properly, and it's it's all good to go. Fucking nice, man. So are you guys, uh, you know, what kind of retail options are you looking at? Is it mainly something you got to buy from the site? Do, where do you sell, you know, through any other, you know, big retails? Like maybe, I don't know, like BDU, or not BDU, fuck, that's a big one, uh, Big Tex or something like that? Uh, uh, big Daddy Unlimited is in Gainesville. Did you know that? I did know that. Yeah. They're, they're not, not too far from me. It's about three hours. Uh, anyways, uh, right now, if you want to be the first to get your hands on it, you have to... Now, we're not collecting money on it, but you when you select pre-order, you get put on a list that as they come available, we go, hey, do you want one? Okay, then buy it. Um, so we haven't collected any money on an amp, obviously. That, I, I feel it's disingenuous to do that. But So 
the first sets are going to go on our pre. They're going to go to our pre-order list, and then I've got a one distributor that wants a hundred of them for, to start, and then uh, I've got a bunch of different shops. So we have a dealer portal on our website you, that dealers can sign up and buy stuff from us at dealer cost. So we've got a couple different avenues to, to that are going to be available. You know, you should be seeing it in your standard run-of-the-mill shop within six months and what kind of uh like numbers are you you know are you gonna like you said you're from florida are you gonna pull a Celtic where you release something and and make like a hundred a month and and just tell everybody to fuck off or you know you, i know you said you got 100 employees is, is, is a lot of people uh but you know just the especially milling uh, you know, billets straight from it. That, that's pretty time consuming. Like, you know, is it something where you guys, you know, had a bunch of parts like stocked up, ready to go? So like whenever you start selling, you got like a, you know, a good amount to, to ship out. What, what's the availability going to be like? So uh, we have a, uh, a goal, a weekly uh, manufacturing goal, like assembled pistols. And that's, that's going to be, I'm just going to throw it. It's going to be greater than a hundred a week. Nice. I'm not going to tell you the exact number because yeah. you don't know, want to put I, up not, expectations up there. Well, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the boss wants to talk, tell me about that. Anyways, or what wants me to talk about as far as actual numbers go, uh, I have a sales goal for this year, and uh, it's kind of a lofty one, but you know, I think I can hit a pretty good, you know, twenty-five thousand sales this this year by the end of the year. Um, I think I can get more than that, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying not to like throw too big of a number out there but uh, i got you and our, yeah and- we're always in production we we've we've been making the parts the only thing uh like i've got a stockpile of slides i got a stockpile of all the stuff that i make i've got stockpiled the things that i don't make is is the problem so like yeah. your slide parts kit and your most of your lower parts kit that we don't make like uh there's one pin and the trigger bar and the trigger housing is, is like I had to make my own locking block because I couldn't get any. <laughs> so we have to make the lock. We had to make the locking block that's in it. And what's the exact release date of this? I don't have an exact release date. Uh, I actually on Monday we've got to turn on our uh, the last of our manufacturing to get it going. Uh, it's and then I've got to fulfill. So we 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 allowed our employees to order the first ones. So the first fifty are going to our employees first. Once I fill those, then I'm starting to fill the pre-order. Nice. So it's 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 any like I mean two three weeks I'm looking at before I'm starting to to fill these bigger orders like uh, distributors and dealers and whatnot. Nice. Let me know uh, whenever you do. I'd love to to put it on on my socials at least because uh, like I said, I mean, it's, it was a great product. It was one of the products at Shot Show. Uh, that one of the bigger products at Shot Show. You know, there's a lot of smaller stuff that I thought was really cool at Shot Show that I haven't seen before that were just coming out. Uh, but I mean, y'all's product was the, one of the bigger products that just came out that I was noticed that you know it's different. It's not you know this. It's it's it is a Glock clone, which I mean you know Glocks are Glocks, but it is different enough to make it stand itself out. It's not just to get lost in the fray. I mean, to be honest, the Glock is a clone of a Browning design anyway. So yep, it's it, it's all based on the stuff that Browning, the god of the gun industry, like made in 1910. <laughs> yep, <laughs> like the, the it's a Browning tilting action that's just a double stack magazine. He made that in like 1913 with the FN high power. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, it's 
it's really cool what we saw at SHOT Show. Um, it was really unnerving because I didn't even tell my wife what we were really working on at work because like, I didn't <laughs> want to tell people, and then I didn't know what I could tell people while we were working on it. And then when uh, they actually uh, they announced it just right before SHOT Show, they put a video out, and then I was able to tell people, hey, this is the gun I designed. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, it was really nerve-wracking because it's in-house that whole time and you don't know what the what the the consumer is going to think and when they pick it up and it, it's a good looking pistol uh they look at it and they go wow i mean it, it's it's really nice so i i enjoy, i've enjoyed the whole process really it's been a lot of late nights like this whole week i think i put 70 hours into the office because it between shooting and torture testing and like oh we've got to set this edge back this way you know five thou to make it perfect and it, it was we're, we're constantly updating what we can do to make it better and the the idea and the owner told me this he's like doesn't matter as long as we're putting out the best product possible so that's absolutely. that's our yeah absolutely man so where can they find live free armory uh on websites social medias everything so livefreearmory.com is the uh, the main website. That's where you can actually pre-order. There's a once you hit the landing page, there's a big thing. It's the amp, and you can learn more and pre-order. And that that pre-order puts you on a uh, basically a contact list for when they're available. You can you have the capability of buying one first. Uh, we do have social media: YouTube, uh, Instagram. We have a TikTok. I don't know why, but we have one. Um, I don't do TikTok. I don't get it. Like, I don't understand it at all. So I'm, I'm kind of bad with the social media. We also have uh, Facebook and all that as well. Nice. All right. So, uh, Ethan, you want to stick around and and go ahead and let's talk about some news in the gun industry. Oh yeah. Give us, give us that engineer. This week's been wild. Oh, same man. Same. Yeah. All right. So just like me, uh, you're a huge fan of the shooting sports. So anytime there's news of the shooting sports, uh, we're going to talk about it. Uh, the first article comes to us from Amaland, uh, and talk about this week in shooting USA, uh, was the USPSA carry optics and PCC nationals. Uh, those occurred actually already, I believe it's already passed, but it happened, uh, at the Talladega marksmanship park, uh, which is just up the road from me, uh, and be looking forward to seeing the, uh, the results on that. Uh, next article is from tactical life. And I really don't, I really don't give a shit about like, you know, uh, you know, gotta have like, you know, uh, like I think it's called title nine when I was in school. Like, you know, if, if you, you gotta have an equal amount of like boys and girls sports or something, but I, I wanted to talk about this just because of the fact that a lot of people, when they think of the gun industry, uh, and guns, you know, they think of either, you know, guys or, you know, Tyrone tactical bunny type, you know, uh, gun bunnies walking around, but that's not the case. You know, we've seen like with, uh, uh, what's that? Jerry Mitchell's daughter. Is it Lena? I think it's Lena, Lena Mitchell. Yeah. Oh, we Lena. met her at shot show. Uh, she was walking around with, uh, Jerry there for a few minutes. I, I ran into Jerry, but I didn't run into Lena. Uh, but the article states that a first all, fo- uh, all female high school shotgun sports team. Now, a lot of people don't think of you know shooting sports in high schools there are some really good uh collegiate shooting sports teams uh clemson is their social media is pretty good uh and they have a pretty good shooting team uh but this is from the uh st lucie 
which is a St. Lucie Priory High School. Obviously, it's a, a Catholic high school, uh, but it's out of, I'm trying to see where it's from. I don't see exactly where, uh, but they are a clay shooting sports team. Uh, and like I said, I think it's pretty cool that you have some high school girls. Uh, they're from uh, Clendo- Clendora, California, of all places. Uh, if you can believe California having a shooting sports team. Um, yeah, I thought that was a little wild, but I mean, yeah. I'm cool with it. No shit, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's. I think it's really cool that you have you know young people getting into shooting sports because that's what it's all about is you know fostering that next generation of gun lovers, uh, and then having you know an all female shooting sports team. Uh, that's really you know just kind of shows that it is honestly the Second Amendment is for everyone. You know, it doesn't matter age, gender, whatever. Oh yeah, the. Uh, I mean, I I don't care about the all female part, but. When I was in high school, I would have killed for a shooting team for my high school. It would have been super fun. Like, I, I, I've always enjoyed shooting sports. And the thing is, like, uh, I don't know, if school's the way they work. A teacher has to basically say, hey, I want to do this. And the school has to sign off on it. And there's a whole bunch of hoops they got to jump through to even be able to offer this. And which I thought was interesting is that they're a private school. So, of course, it would be a private school because they could they probably have less hoops to jump through for this. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, there's some of these girls that probably spank me on this clay fields. Like, I've had, I've shot up against uh, some of the junior Olympians at uh, Sporting Clays, and, like, they were amazing how good they were. Like, they didn't drop a, a shot the whole weekend. Like, it that's the kind of numbers that some of these girls can get. Uh, I, I, lo- I love it. It's good stuff. I can't shoot clays to save my fucking life. I'm terrible at it. I tell people when I go fucking dove hunting, I bring like two or three hundred rounds, and I may come home with one or two birds. I'm just terrible at it. Yeah, it's awful. Oh, last time I went dove hunting, I I brought home a gaggle, and we sat there for about two hours just getting after it. I mean, I'm pretty good with shotgun, but my my rifle's my big thing. Yeah. Uh, next article comes to us from Tactical Life as well, uh, and it's talking about Zach Rodman will be sponsored by Blackhawk for the Tactical Games. Now, the Tactical Games is a little bit different uh, type of shooting sport that we normally cover. Uh, we normally cover like IPSC, uh, IDPA, USPSA, obviously like clay shooting, uh, but the Tactical Games is kind of like shooting uh, mixed with a Tough mutter. Uh, I think is what that kind of shit's called. Uh, but basically, uh, Rodman is a been a police officer in Kokomo, Indiana uh, for 15 years, and he has been on the SWAT team there for 12 years. Uh, he's done a lot of different stuff, but Blackhawk, uh, I think it's interesting that Blackhawk is starting to sponsor athletes in the tactical games because you've had, you know, like a 511 uh, sponsoring people for like CrossFit competitions and stuff. You have, you know, tons of sponsors uh, for IPSC, IDPA, USPSA. Uh, but the fact that, you know, Blackhawk is sponsoring uh, this gentleman for the tactical games, that shows that maybe this is probably going to become more, possibly become more of a mainstream thing, especially with, you know, the growth of firearms, shooting sports, and also other types of exercise disciplines like CrossFit. Because this is kind of what it is. Basically, like you run an obstacle course, uh, but you're also carrying a firearm and have shooting courses uh, throughout those obstacle courses. Uh, it's tactical games in Meridian. Zach uh, secured a top 10 finish in the men's elite division. And uh, he's going to be competing November si- uh, 5th through the 6th at the Tactical Games National Championship in Burnett, Texas. 
it's something you know uh there's another podcast that i listen to that goes into guns and somebody's talking about uh doing the tactical games and uh you know i would love to kind of do that kind of stuff but man fucking just just training for that kind of thing you know being like you uh ethan i was in the army myself and like even you know I'm, i'm a fucking huge dude uh, and at my best, you know, I'd run a uh, five and a half minute mile uh, when I was 260. And uh, doing that kind of stuff takes a lot of training. And uh, I just don't personally have that kind of stuff. But have you known anybody that, that does this kind of shit? Uh, so the, the closest thing I get to, uh, I haven't shot one yet. It's on my list of stuff to do is uh, the mammoth. Uh, I've always wanted to go shoot a mammoth. Unfortunately, I'm actually pretty crippled. So I have a fused ankle. Um, so it's. It's not easy for me to do, you know, get training for these things. So, like I said, I'm getting too old and too crippled to do some of this stuff. But the tactical games didn't really get it, do it for me. Um, just because it's, it's more like, like I said, it's CrossFit slash Tough Mudder into a just going to go shoot with a higher heart rate. Well, I, I mean, it's awesome if you can do it, but I, I physically can't do it anymore. Um, but... I was reading that article. Blackhawks actually going to have a booth up there. That's that's probably part of the reason they're sponsoring and making making this jump because they they realize that sponsoring individuals and then setting up events, you can you can get peop, get products in people's hands. Absolutely. And that, and that that they're going to have a big booth at the national championship and everything is what it is, looks like. Yeah, and not only that, like I think Blackhawk. Um... You know, also, I mean, obviously they sell holsters and stuff, but they also make like a ton of like clothes and gear and shit. Uh, I actually really like their, they're like, uh, you know, I guess you could say tactical pants, like kind of BDU type style, style pants. Uh, they're really good. I have a couple pairs of them. Um, and obviously like, you know, they're, I would say probably like their biggest competitor was probably like maybe, you know, around like 5'11 is probably, and five, like I said, 5'11 does a lot of sponsorships in regards to, uh, CrossFit and, you know, different shit like that. So I'm assuming they're, you know, trying to get out there, trying to, you know, compete against their, you know, the competitor 5'11. Uh, so, you know, competition breeds, you know, good shit in the market. That's why I like capitalism. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, anything, anytime anybody gets a reason to go out and shoot and do stuff that you're not normally doing, like stagnant on a range, I am all about it. Absolutely. I can't do it all, but I can try. Yeah. Uh, this next article comes to us from the Farms blog, and I just thought this was interesting. 100% of gold medalists at the 2022 Beijing Biathlon use this gun, and that gun is, and I'm probably gonna butcher this name. Uh, it's the Inschutz, uh, so it's a Inschutz rifle. Uh, it is basically, you know, you've seen these rifles. It's like a little 22 rifle, uh, and you know, not only did tw- you know all the gold medalists use this, uh, but 17 out of the 20 silver medalists used it, and 14 out of the 20 bronze medalists used this gun. So I thought that was pretty interesting. A lot of people uh, like to talk about, you know, different types of guns. You really don't think of of and shoots for a precision type weapon, but that's what was, you know, primarily used for uh, gold medalist. Did you keep up with the Winter Games any? Uh, no, I I I, I was working, but and, <laughs> and, and they were all on at like two in the morning, and I like sleeping at night. Yeah, uh, I've always liked the decathlon. It's the one where they ski cross country and then shoot. Yeah. Um, now, what I do know about uh, the Anschutz rifles is like they're one of the only straight pull 
22s out there. There's only a couple companies that even make them. But these things, when these Olympians get them, they're actually fitted to them almost very, like super precisely. Um, I know in, in the shotgun sports, they actually come out and measure you like you would a suit yep. just for a gun, you know. And these things, I mean, these guns are, you know, five, six, seven, ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 depending on the, the options. They're and they're super accurate, and they're all using peep sights. I don't know if you realize that they don't yep. act, they don't use scopes. It's all peep sights and true fundamentals. Yeah, I have an old like CZ uh, twenty two trainer that was used for sports shooting. It's and it's got a peep sight. It's very different. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, I'm not I'm not all about peep sights. Give me an optic. <laughs> uh, this next article comes from from Tactical Life as well, and this is kind of goes along the line with shooting sports, but it also goes in line with some other stories. But just kind of uh, meshed it into this. Uh, Ip Six has uh, sanctioned Russia and cancels all major matches in Russia. Uh, now I'm sure Russia doesn't give a fuck about this personally. Because Russia is a big enough country that kind of like China, and it, honestly, it's it's like you know IDPA, like you know IDPA uh, was kind of sick of of Ipsic shit, so they kind of broke off and became IDPA. Uh, so I mean, it's not a whole lot, you know. I think this is just kind of grandstanding, in my opinion. Uh, but you know, it was just interesting, and I, th- I thought I'd want to throw it out there. Yeah, the uh, I guess we'll get into the whole Russian thing a little bit later, but uh, I. I don't know what the hell they're shooting in Ipsic in Russia for. Like, it doesn't. Are they shooting air guns, or am I crazy? Like, it's it's uh, at least there there's an air gun shoot scheduled in Russia that was canceled. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I really don't think they'd give a shit. You know yeah, what I'm I don't saying? Think so either. I mean, I I honestly just don't even care that they invaded Ukraine. But I mean, yeah. they're Russians. They're probably drunk all the time anyway. Yep. Uh, this next article comes to us from uh, Tucson.com, and it talks about lawmakers move to allow guns in more places. And this also kind of goes along with some other news stories uh, that is going on. And there is uh, from Amazon, Amazon, or I'm sorry, not Amazon. Fuck, Arizona bill to remove silencers from prohibited weapons list. And I. Put these kind of two together because, you know, um, for like Xennials uh, or Gen Z, whatever the fuck you want to call yourself, uh, before, you know, if you remember like the 08 election and kind of before that, you know, uh, and I'm originally from Texas, you know, Arizona is just like a hop skip. That's where actually my dad's from is Arizona. Um, but, you know, Arizona was becoming a very liberal state, and I can't remember what's the name of that one uh, fucking governor uh, that's from there that ran uh, for president in the prime. You know, but was kicked out in the primaries. But you know, Arizona was a very progressive, was becoming a very progressive state, and it had, um, you know, it was constantly voting uh, for leftists, you know, and progressive politicians. Uh, and it's kind of interesting to see that it's going away from that. And I think we can honestly attribute that to maybe a lot of the flight from California. Uh, a lot of the people that, you know, didn't like the politics from California or didn't like the taxes from California uh, moving into Arizona because Arizona is one of the states that saw a great influx of population uh, from people fleeing California. And, you know, obviously they, they probably voted in more uh, conservative, and I hate to use these fucking terms. So I, I mean, I always like to preface this, but I always, you know, fall into it just because, for lack of better terminology, uh, you know, they started voting for conservative de- uh, politicians, and you're starting to see a lot more 
freedom, what I call freedom legislation in Arizona. Do uh, you know anybody in Arizona or have you kept up with, I mean, you're, you're kind of older like I am. Do you remember like back in the day in like the late 2000s before 2010? You know, Arizona was, was you know, a democratic state really. Yeah, it used to be a stronghold. Now, I, I really don't understand, like, the dem- I've never been to Arizona or anything, but, like, the demographics is very strange. Uh, the population centers are always going to be blue. That's how it is. Yep. Um, and Phoenix is ginormous. So, uh, like I said, I don't know the, the politics or, like, the culture out there or anything like that, but I've seen more and more of everybody's kind of understanding that the, the bullshit that we've dealt with in the last... 50 years with gun legislation is just that it's kind of crap it's it doesn't do anything for anybody now you have your hardcore you know libs that want to do everything they can to get rid of ar-15s because they're scary and black and it's like yeah but they account for less than 500 deaths a year really like hammers kill more people (laughs) And, and 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 you start to see more and more and this one so the arizona one is actually uh it's not that they couldn't have suppressors. Uh, it was for some reason it was in their legislation that it was it was not legal unless it the, it was legal under federal law. Yep. Um, it's legalese is kind of confusing for me to read sometimes, but uh, I did see a, like a couple years ago, Louisiana, like you couldn't buy a suppressor until the Duck Dynasty guys got involved and he wanted a suppressor, so they they changed the law not solely because of that, but he started a campaign to change the law and and i think they they can actually own them now there too absolutely and just kind of like you said the the supposed ban on silencers it's really weird uh you know you can have a silencer as long or i say silent suppressor and actually it's weird the article mentions them as gun mufflers which i think is always a weird term uh but you know unless it complied under federal law which of course they fucking would otherwise you know you you couldn't purchase it legally through the NFA, and then uh, the other bill would allow uh, carrying in places except for you know like school and court and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, the one uh, it's probably the next article. Uh, the one in Georgia. Yep. Uh, I think that's the one that had the. It was about the schools, and they started letting the schools in. Or is Georgia's permit was carry. That's what it is. Yep. So the next article is from Guns.com, and it's talking about Georgia Senate passes permitless carry. Now, the beginning of the year is always interesting uh, in regards to state politics because that is when state governments start to have their legislatures normally come in during this time of year uh, because it's not a full time job. Uh, they only, you know, normally are in session for between like three to five months, and then they go back doing whatever they're doing. So uh, there's a lot of stuff in regards to state legislation in this episode. Uh, but Georgia Senate passes permitless carry. Now, obviously, it's got to go through the House, and then it's got to go through, uh, go to the the governor's desk to be signed. So this is just passing through the Senate, which is Senate Bill 319, uh, and it's going to have to go before the House uh, to get passed for the governor to sign it so the the interesting thing on the georgia uh i think i think it will clear the the hurdles at least the, it definitely will clear the hurdle of the governor uh, i'm not sure about what the makeup of their house is uh georgia's actually so we were just talking about phoenix went was going more yep. towards the red side of the table they're they're a true purple state but georgia went the other way and I think it's a lot to do with uh, all these tech jobs running away from California and those, you know, tax-heavy states. 
and going to the south, like uh, here in Florida, we have a lot of you know Blue Origins down here. We we're getting more and more tech companies showing up, but and uh, we have SpaceX as well. But in Georgia, you got these tech companies showing up there. Same thing in Austin, Texas. It's actually changing Texas to a purple state because of the the migration from New York yep. and uh, California. And Georgia went more blue in this. I think they're gonna. I think this actually would clear the hurdles. Um, it's going to see some pretty staunch. Uh, there's going to be some pretty good little fighting over this one. I, I could see that coming. It's definitely going to be a 2022 uh, talking point on both sides for their well, own you're, you're talking about the the migration into Georgia. You know, uh, Georgia has more movie studios now than Los Angeles and Hollywood. You know, yeah, because all the taxes out there are insane. Yep. So, I mean, there is a lot of that migration uh, moving into these larger metropolis areas, like you said, Austin, uh, Nashville, uh, Atlanta, places like that, like fucking Huntsville. Huntsville, uh, you know, is is a huge tech point in uh, Alabama, and it's honestly not even, I don't consider Huntsville a part of the fucking state. It's it's, it's almost like going to a different place when you go up there, uh, and it is turning those places. So uh, I'm curious to see if it does get through the house. Uh, but speaking up, the next one uh, from Amaland, constitutional carry sent to Ohio Governor DeWine. So this was a big one. Uh, I know a lot of people in Ohio were trying to say, because uh, there's 21 constitutional carry states uh, currently. Uh, they're trying to say make Ohio 22 and 22, uh, make it the 22nd constitutional carry state in uh, 2022. So uh, the House passed the, the bill on March 2nd. Uh, it was a Senate bill, and then it went, uh, you know, reconciliation before the Senate, 24 to 8, and it's being sent to the governor's desk. So I'm not too sure. Uh, the governor there I know is a little bit of a cunt, uh, Governor DeWine. Uh, so I'm curious to see if, if he signs it or if he might just do like a pocket veto. He may not veto it, but he may not sign it uh, going into law. Uh, but I've heard from several people up there that the governor's kind of a, a dick and not too friendly with the Second Amendment. So the big thing with – you're going to see a lot of these uh, governorships. There's like I think half of the governorships are, are running for re-election this year. Yep. So mm -hmm. Florida, we've got DeSantis versus a guy named Charlie Crist who was a governor at one time, and he flipped parties, and it's a, whole, it's a mess. DeSantis is going to cream him. But yep. – uh, you know, these guys are going to either take this as something that they can use. If they can use it in the primary, he will sign it. Or not just the primary, the primary and the election, because they've got the whole process. But if they can use it, he's going to sign it. But if he if he thinks it'll, it'll not help him, he's not going to bother with it. Like, that's yeah. just how it's all, all, every single one of them is going to be like that. Um, and it, that's the sad part. It's not about what they're doing for the people it's about keeping themselves in power and that's both sides of the aisle any situation you could come up with that's the bottom line yeah and uh currently in alabama uh constitutional carry is up for debate but now i will say and, and i've went through a whole diatribe on this podcast about the whole constitutional carry issue in alabama because uh, i'm very very familiar with this one uh and there is a uh i just went through the Senate and the Senate really 
did a lot of weird shit to the constitutional carry bill. I'm not a huge fan of it, honestly. And I mean, this is coming from me, you know, somebody that works in law enforcement. Um, but it, it's gone back and forth uh, between the House and the Senate. You know, each of them are adding their own shit to it, and it keeps going before reconciliation. And I'm not sure if we're going to get it just because the uh, Alabama Sheriff's Association is a huge lobby group uh, in the state. And they are really pushing against it because that is a huge moneymaker uh, for the sheriff's offices here. Uh, but basically, and the new amendments uh, basically uh, would cause you know citizens to be arrested for violations of it because there's stipulations. So uh, you have to produce your weapon if asked uh, for inspection of serial numbers. Uh, if the officer wants, and then also you must declare your weapon at any time if officer asks you. Uh, yeah. That's that's serial numbers, really. That's wild. That's yeah. wild to me. Yeah, I mean, I seriously don't see the constitutionally, you know, the constitutionality of it uh, because of fourth and fin fourth and fifth amendment issues of it. Honestly, uh, I really don't see how that could be. Because if you don't do those things, you could go to jail. Honestly, like if you know, like a police officer stops you, hey, do you have a gun on you? No, pat you down. You have a gun on you, automatically go to jail, even though it is technically a constitutional carry state. Then, then it's not no, constitutional. Yeah, then it's not. Like, <laughs> right. uh, so I, I think um, I don't know. It's just a lot of bullshit to it. I'm I'm kind of pissed off at it, honestly. Uh, and what's really fucked uh, is that my representative is like barred because he got in. Goddamn, like Alabama politics are so fucking corrupt. Uh, like at one year, that's how we got our current governor right now. In one year, our speaker of the house and our governor were arrested on corruption, and our uh, state chief justice was removed for ethics violations. So we lost like the top three people at once. And our current governor literally just was the next line in secession, uh, to get up there. And she just kind of stayed governor. And, um, uh, my, uh, representative is currently under indictment for multiple theft of uh, felony thefts. And so like, I have no representation because he refuses to, uh, remove himself uh, but they won't let him vote because he's under indictment. So I mean, that's that's a special. You can't even write that in a soap opera. Seriously, you really <laughs> can't. I say people like you know Chicago's bad. No man, fucking Alabama's. Just uh, it's it's up under your nose and you don't realize it until it's too late. Yep. Uh, next article from Amelan uh, is there's a bill to remove AOWs from the NFA introduced in Congress. Now, this is from Representative Chip Roy. He's from Texas, and uh, it's called the No Backdoor Gun Control Act. You know, I, I wanted to put this in here just because of the fact that I, I thought it was interesting. But I hate this fucking virtue signaling that these Republicans do when they know there's no fucking chance in hell that they can have this stuff passed, but they even, do it. Even if they had all three, the presidency, the Senate, and the House, this probably wouldn't pass. It, it's it, And the Democrats do it, too, when they just, I mean, in Florida, we have one representative in Florida that just blanket sends out every time they do a new legislative session, I want the assault weapons. Every year, for the last, like, 10 years, she's tried to do it, and I'm just like, I'm, they just do it over and over again until something happens now. The AOW thing, I don't, I don't understand where they're coming from with the backdoor. I mean, the the laws are kind of hard to figure out, but once you figure them out, they're not that, you know, they're not that hard to figure out if you have an AOW or an SBR or an SBS. Oh yeah, and I mean, like all fucking gun laws are unconstitutional, but it's still, you know, fucking dumb. 
Yeah, it's what we have to deal with. And unfortunately, I don't see a future where we'll ever have, you know, suppressors unbanned like uh, in in Europe and some parts of Europe and like uh, Australia, I think maybe New Zealand. You can just go into a hardware store, pay 50 bucks and get a can like it's not how it works here. And I just don't see that ever happening in the U.S. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, to me it's it's fucking dumb. Uh, you know, they don't want criminals to have it, so that was the whole purpose. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of it. Yeah, and the, all of our, you know, 90% of our gun laws that we had to deal with come from 1930s. Like, it was a totally different time. It, it, I don't like them, but it... it it is what the the world we live in, so you just have to deal with them. Yeah, it's I don't know. It, it's it's a bunch of shit, and I I don't know. Fucking move my my microphone there. It might hear me a little bit better. But um, you know, the whole purpose of the NFA was was to stop criminals from from getting things. You know, when you had the the beginning of the FBI and you had the beginning of uh you know bank robbers and and all that kind of stuff. And it's just you know arbitrary you know. Just like technology has changed, you know, we had to amend search and seizure laws because of uh, digital, you know, digital information and, and everything else. You know, we really need to update our firearms laws to include what is available to us now, you know, to where, you know, you don't have to have this stupid, you know, shoulder brace, you know. There's no reason for uh, a suppressor to be outlawed because it doesn't really make it that much quiet. If somebody shoots with a suppressor, you're still going to hear it. Um, you know, if you have a short-barreled rifle, uh, you're still going to be able to, you know, you're not going to be able to conceal it like, you know, uh, a Mac-10 or an Uzi or something like that. It's just, it's just fucking dumb. Yeah, all of it's, it's, it's ridiculous, but. You know, it, unfortunately, I, I just don't see a world or an America that will ever get rid of it. I mean, you're going to see such opposition to it. And then uh, the Republicans, unfortunately, even if they get in power, they have all the chips. They don't want to spend the political capital getting something like that passed for the gun, you know, the gun industry. And, and the yeah. other thing is the, the Hughes Amendment. You got some Bubba somewhere that's got a, I've got a M4 that's, you know, 50 grand or whatever. As soon as the Houston amendment gets thrown out, then it's it's worth the same as a regular M4. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, I paid 20 grand for this. It's $700 now. Yeah. So that that's why some of that stuff will never change is because there's industries built inside of it now that we don't even really know about. Uh, next article comes to us from Ameland, and it talks about Maryland House hearing oppressive dealer requirements. And I just want to throw this in here just because uh, I always say if they can't get the guns, they're going to go with everything else that surrounds the guns, whether it be ammunition, magazines, and in this case, the actual FFL dealers themselves. So what this is is House Bill 1021, uh, and it basically requires uh, gun stores to secure firearms in vaults, safes, or an undefined and vague secure room outside of business hours. Now, if you don't have a gun safe, uh, or if you have a shit ton of guns, uh, and don't realize how expensive gun safes are, are. I mean, this is putting a lot of undue burden on the dealer itself to have to do some sort of, uh, you know, 
modification to their store or purchase more uh, fixtures or purchase more safes, whatever it may be, uh, to satisfy this law. And that's what they're trying to do because most gun stores are, you know, like mom and pop kind of gun stores. And uh, this is trying to basically price them out of business. Yeah, it, it is putting a, a pretty – I mean, I kind of see it both ways. If if I was a business owner and I didn't have some kind of secure room for serialized items, I, I feel like it would not be good for my business plan to be able to make sure that that stuff's secured. But this is this is not just having a safe. This is having you know, I, what I would say probably extensive security systems that if I don't – I really don't. If I've got a safe, why do I need bars on my windows? It, you know, it's just it's security. I don't even know what a security screen on a door is. So, uh, uh, Halberts or Calvera, is it Halberts? Whatever the poles are that, for the driveway. Like you're you're talking, you're gonna have to get to the building and have variances put up. I mean, if if a business does not have all the stuff that's already here, like that's they're requiring in this bill. I mean, you're talking twenty, thirty thousand dollars just to do it. You know, between yeah. alarm systems and video surveillance and bars and whatever security screen is and doors and windows that have to be uh, the security screen and then uh, physical barriers. So yeah, you're talking a lot of money for. And if it's a mom and pop shop that's in middle of nowhere, Maryland, they're not going to be able to pay it. They're going to close the doors. Absolutely. And this next article I put up here because I was really wanting to talk about the. Uh the uh, last article on here uh, and it comes to us from Pew Pew Tactical and its title is well the whole title is uh, Weekly Wrap Bill Wants to Remove AWS from NFA which we, we've talked about but the second one is what I want to talk about is study says gun surpasses cars in premature deaths now this was odd just because of the fact that uh, the article or the study is from I'm trying to scroll down, but of course my computer's froze up on me. So let's restore session. <laughs> lovely, uh, lovely talk here. Great audio. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking at this article, and I I don't like these types of studies because they're so um they're 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 I, I forget what the word the word I'm looking for it's uh subject to what the, the researchers want the study to say. Uh, so I take all of this kind of stuff with a grain of salt because I'm not sure. Yeah, it's, it's a trauma surgery. Um, like that's the people putting it out. But at the same time, well, if they wanted it to be this way, or I, I just I find it. I, I always take this kind of sub suspect due to the fact that they can statistics can be manipulated in any way you want to. I can manipulate these statistics to say something else if I really want to. So it's until it's peer reviewed and everything, I'm not sure. Um, how much I would believe it. Well, and, and what I've done, oh my Christ, and my laptop just completely destroyed itself. Of course it did. So it's it's restarting and rebooting. Um, so while we're doing this and waiting for my laptop to go through whatever the fuck it's doing, uh, I know something that I was talking about earlier and we can go ahead and get into even without looking at the sources, but um, is the whole, obviously, Ukraine issue. Uh, and if you aren't familiar, if you've been living under a fucking rock, which you had to have been this last week and a half, if you don't know what the hell is going on, uh, is obviously Russia has you invaded Ukraine, and uh, the there's been a lot of things going on. Uh, the state of, there's you know 
know, State of the Union address this past week. And in it, you know, Biden has talked about the Ukrainian people that has gone and, and stood up against uh, the invading Russians and, and talk about how well they've done. And, you know, when the invasion first happened, there was a plethora of Ukrainian citizens going down to government centers and they were just being given rifles, what the progressives and gun control proponents are calling, uh, you know, weapons of war. Uh, what they want to have taken away from us, uh, handed out to normal civilians uh, with some with little or absolute no training. Uh, and they are providing some training to the people there in Ukraine uh, as it's going on. But, you know, it, it, I, just the hypocrisy of it, of them praising Ukraine, you know, and the Ukraine people, and then also going and still wanting to condemn our Second Amendment and have the same tools that we use, uh, you know, taken away from us. And it is, to me, is just insane. The I, I, I always am curious to know the line of thinking of what some of these people actually think in regards to this, just because, uh, you know, why is it okay for one but not for, for us? You know, why is it okay for the Ukrainians but not for American citizens? Uh, what what is, what is your thoughts been on all this, Ethan? So the whole Ukraine thing, uh, it, it it it's all it, it really boils down to is Putin wants a buffer zone from NATO, and he wants Ukraine to be that buffer zone. So that was the like what I assume is the biggest factor for him invading. Now, if you if you've been following and like things like Twitter, uh, these people, these super lefty gun control advocates are like, they're handing out rifles. This is great. Fight for your home country. And then in the same breath, they go, but I don't like the fact that they're getting military weapons or what, you know, whatever, you know, buzzwords they're going to use. Um, now, I don't what did What did you do in the military, Nick? If you don't mind me asking. I was a uh, combat engineer. Combat engineer. So, 12 boom, boom. Gross. Uh, so I was a scout. <laughs> <laughs> so there was oh, <laughs> there was a uh, there was an entire Twitter thread, and if I could find it, I would send it to you. I have to see if I can't find it, send it to you for later. There was an entire Twitter th- Twitter thread where some like special forces dude did like a master class on guerrilla fighting, just in the open, and like this is how you have to fight block to block in order to defeat the Russians, and it was it was glorious to read, and it was like don't get caught in a corner. Make sure you have four ways out of any place. You're going to get artillery. Make sure you're in a hard building. Like it went into very, very detailed how to uh, fight in an urban center as the defender and as a guerrilla force instead of being the attacker that, you know, us as military, like, we're normally the attacking force. So it was really cool to kind of go through that. I will say that the Russians, there's a lot of misinformation coming out between oh, both, on both yes. sides. The Russians say, oh, we've only, you know, lost like 200 people. The Ukrainians put out a thing that they said they, they've killed 9,000 Russians. Yeah. So where is the real number? It's somewhere between there, obviously. Uh, there was a video that I saw this morning. It uh, was just released on, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Funker 530 uh, yep. combat footage. And it was <clears throat> like a, uh, it's an MI-35 attack helicopter getting shot down. And it is in like all 4K HD glory. And it is the craziest, like, 30-second video you've ever watched. Like, this helicopter does not have a chance. But, yeah, the, the Russians, I think, uh, it's interesting. 
as far as far as like the military aspect of it, uh, have you noticed that they're not doing any night operations and they have no night vision equipment? Well, the the aerial bombardment started happening at night just because of the fact that the Ukrainian Air Force has really put them up uh, like a hell of a fight, and especially since they re- received 70 new aircraft. And um, there is a video of a big fucking plane, I, I can't remember, like some cargo plane, basically, uh, coming from Turkey with a whole truck new of those drones that they've been using to take out the tanks. Yeah, so. I, I forget what the drone's called, but they're, they're actually a drone. Uh, their uh, Russians' anti-air systems can't track those drones. They're so small. Yep. So, like, they've been using those drones to great effect, and they what they do with them is they run out and find any target they can, but I've seen a lot of videos of them targeting uh, anti-air vehicles Yep. So, like, their missile launchers and their uh, the Zeuses and whatnot, and just hitting them with those so that you'll free up their airframes to get up and actually provide air support. Yeah, it, it's been fucking wild. And uh, I will say this, uh, because I wasn't going to say it until uh, this morning he posted it on his page, uh, but, uh, uh, but I consider him a friend um, and a uh, fellow Army vet and uh, meme lord. Uh, he runs the at-home FFL without an FFL page. I don't know if you are familiar with, uh, you know, on the socials for uh, Facebook uh, or Instagram. He has the Instagram as well. Uh, my good buddy Ron, and we've actually had Ron on before. He is uh, one of the heads of Save the Second, uh, which is a organization to reform the NRA. Uh, he is actually on his way today to Poland. Uh, he has a suitcase full of uh, IFAX tourniquets, first aid gear, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And he's going to deliver it to uh, territorial defense units and uh, people in the Ukraine uh, for this because he's, you know, big med guy and stuff like that. Um, And, you know, I don't know if he's, I don't think he, you know, when I talked to him last, he's not planning on actually volunteering or anything, uh, you know, in the Ukraine army, but he's, you know, deploying and, and donating supplies uh, two people over there uh, that will need it. And, you know, he's just going to help out the best way he can. And we're seeing a lot of people, you know, a lot of people that run like vet pages and, and stuff like that uh, going over there and, and either joining up or helping out in the humanitarian effort uh, along the Polish Ukrainian border. Uh, so it's, it, this is a very interesting time, man, a very interesting time. And not only that, and you know, you're talking about supply chain issues earlier. Uh, I mean, fuck right now, uh, literally overnight, like not even overnight, like from the time I went to work one, one day, I think it was like Friday, uh, gas here was like three forty, which was already expensive as shit. Uh, and now it's three ninety. Uh, jumped up like 40 to 50 cents here just in that short amount of time. Uh, and, you know, this is interesting times to where we're going to see what can happen here because Ukraine, you know, it, it's not a very, um, you know, progressive country, I guess you could say. I mean, it's a very modern European country, but it is not, you know, as modern as, say, like, you know, the UK or France or Germany. Um, you know, there's still, like, a lot of corruption there. Uh, but, you know, to see this happen from one, you know, world power happening to one of its neighbors in U- in Europe, it- it's very interesting times. And we're seeing, you know, the realities of why we have our Second Amendment and why we need to constantly be vigil in regards to not only just internal threats but external threats as well. Because uh, I, I've just been, 
I was thinking, you know, when this first happened, I was thinking, you know, fucking uh, Xi Jinping from the, you know, China, uh, Chinese Communist Party there was looking at this and just kind of seeing what's the reaction if he should go ahead and go after Taiwan. Uh, you know, we saw a lot of, I think there was like, was it like five or 15 fighters uh, were escorting an intelligence uh, plane, uh, you know, from the Chinese uh, Communist country over Taiwan, uh, you know, flying in Taiwanese airspace. Uh, you know, you're seeing a lot of stuff going on. And this is, like I said, this is interesting stuff. We're seeing a lot of, of uh, Red Dawn shit happening in real life. And it's stuff that we need to pay attention to. Uh, not only just because of the fact to see, uh, you know, I, I've said it here, I, I've said it uh, on social media, I've said it in private message chats and, and talking to friends. You know, basically all governments are pretty shitty and corrupt. You know, I'm, I'm very much a small government kind of person. Uh, and I think we've seen, you know, with between Biden and the Ukrainian government, there's a lot of shady shit happening there between, you know, before this invasion actually happened. Uh, but I'm still think, you know, I'm for the Ukrainian people that are being, you know, bombed and, and uh, you know, fucked with by Russia. And I personally think the Russians... Well, we've seen this. You know, the Russians are being just fucking lied to, bold out face fucking lied to about what's going on, and they're just going on and doing with it, you know, going along with the, the, the drum just because of the fact that they don't know any better. And so it's just governments, you know, fucking with other governments, and the people are the ones that's suffering for it. Um, but, I mean, this is a huge thing, and this is uh, – I was going to have a Patreon episode uh, about 3D printing, but because of this and how it's such a big deal, I'm going to be going a lot more in-depth into it uh, in my Patreon episode talking about Ukraine anyway. So uh, what you got any final thoughts on, on this? Because I'm telling you, some of the shit that I'm seeing, especially like on uh, – because I have a TikTok um, and – and Facebook and Instagram and all my socials when I'm posting like, you know, either like Ukraine memes or, or just, just shit in general. Uh, and people are like, Oh, you know, you don't understand. There's, there's bio labs in Ukraine that the Americans run and, and Putin's just liberating the Ukrainian people from, uh, you know, a government that's whatever the fuck kind of QAnon bullshit they're thinking. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but what, what's your thoughts on it? Uh, well, Shit, there's a lot to unpack with what you just said. Let's start with the gas stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I drive a diesel, and uh, my Shit, for you. my uh, the diesel here was like it was like 360, and then like I, I get diesel like once every uh, every other week, and I went to the gas pump again, and it was 390, and then I went the other day or the other day and filled up, and they. When they charge a card, you can only do like a hundred bucks or whatever, and it was four thirty-five. And then I went and just topped off on my way home today, and it was four forty-five. Yeah, in like twelve hours is crazy. Um, so that I mean, Biden did that on his first day of office. Don't care what anybody says. His executive orders made us dependent on energy from other countries. National security starts and ends with energy independence, meaning that we have to have control over our fuel we have to have control over our electricity you let other countries have any control of your your energy you've already lost so that that this is directly because of biden you can't convince me otherwise uh that being said i'm actually i was i was uh i was on your instagram just a few minutes ago and it reminded me of the ghost of kiev and i'm just like 
I, I want to believe that that's yes. actually true. And first off, if, I'm a huge X Files fan from back in the '90s, so when I saw that, I was like, "That's amazing." Oh yeah, like the ghost. If that do, if that, if that's a person, and he shot down six aircraft on the first day of the war, and like four of them were more advanced than his MiG twenty nine. Yeah, I'm all about it. So, <laughs> uh, but the Ukraine, yeah, like the rest of the like, you got to remember, it's a whole different culture there. Like, especially in Russia, they protested the first night of the war, and then they didn't protest anymore. I don't know if you noticed that. Because they arrested all of them, like it was like something like seventeen hundred people they arrested yep. in Moscow. Like they they silenced them. They, it was well, there's no dissidents over there. Like here we can protest freely because we have freedoms. Um, finally, uh, I don't know if you're too much of a history buff, but do you think of, I I can't remember the general's name. It was a Japanese general during World War II, and he said you can never invade America. And his rationale is behind every blade of grass there will be a rifle and. Other than the logistic problems of invading the United States, because it's like in the middle of nowhere, in perspective to the rest of the world, like you got two massive oceans to cross, and we would detect you way before then anyway and destroy you. Um, yeah, you would literally be fighting for every inch of ground in this country, and that is the point of the Second Amendment. Everybody likes to do the oh, it's for hunting. The deer don't wear Kevlar. That was a quote from Biden. Yep. Um, even in his State of the Union address the last week. I didn't watch it because I cannot stand watching anything he says, but I caught the cliff notes on articles later. Um, he even brought up gun control. I don't like a 40-round Glock. I think you were talking about a Glock 40, but I'm not going to even touch that one. And I want to ban his high-capacity magazines and assault rifles like they always do. Um, the point is to fight to defend this country from enemies, foreign and domestic. So absolutely, it comes down to like, uh, there's a really good book series. Uh, I enjoy it. And the author's actually a really cool guy called the pact. Um, he's like, he's got two books. It's a trilogy that he's writing a third one now, but it's about, uh, Russia and China invading the U S after, uh, another recession. Basically they wanted to come really? collect their debt. It's it, he's a, he's a former green beret. Um, he was a uh, 18 Delta Special Forces medic, and uh, so he was. He goes into his. He gets on a kind of a tangent with uh, the Masons. I don't know, like you know, Mason on Mason on. Yeah. Like, yeah. He gets on a tangent with that, but like it goes into like the, the all of the Green Berets were on a team together, and they all decided that they were going to set up a like a fallback compound in the middle of the country, and then they start running guerrilla operations out of it. It's a really good book. Um, it's called The Pact and the Pact Two. Um, by Robert Patrick Lewis, but it, it's it really goes into like the one of the only ways I could see somebody invading the U.S. and it, was, and it started with terror attacks in the U.S. by like sleeper cells and stuff, and then it then they then they invaded with a main force. But uh, yeah, that that's the entire point of the Second Amendment. Because you got to remember when the, when the the founding fathers were writing the Constitution, they were they had real fears of. Spain and Britain crossing the ocean. They have no idea they're coming and they just land on their shores with a huge force and start taking back the colonies or taking over America. So they had to have something in place to actually fight against an enemy because, I mean, really uh, up until, uh, let's, uh, up until the Civil War, the military was not very big. And then after yeah. every major war, it downsizes dramatically. Well, then you had to think as well, too. Like, at that time, like, they, the major powers, Spain, France, and Britain, already had launching points on all three of our borders. I mean, Spain had Florida. Uh, France had 
you know, the Louisiana and, and, and everything uh, west of the Mississippi. And then, you know, Britain had Canada. You know, so yeah. I mean, at any point in time, they still could have come over and and took us back over. And especially, you know, people say France was, was our ally after the Revolutionary War. But, you know, we got into shit with them really fast just because of the fact that, you know, they were saying that we, you know, owed them a whole lot more than what we owed them. And then they were literally taking sailors off of our ships and, and you know, pressing them into the French Navy. That Well, the French, the French only helped us. In the revolution, because they wanted to stick it to Britain once. Oh, because of the the fucking uh, we call it the um, French French Indian Indian Wars, Uh, but they called it something else. I can't recall, but yeah, Seven Years' War. Yep, there you go. Yeah, I I love history. I really do. Uh, I think I'm undergrad in history. Yeah, yeah, my undergrad is in engineering, so I didn't have any time for fun or football, and I'm a big football (laughs) fan. But I went. well, I went to UCF, and I was at UCF when they did the, 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 the quote, national championship run. And oh, my God. Are you fucking serious? Yes. It was wild. Like, I was at UCF when we were winless, and then I was at UCF when we won two undefeated seasons in a row in two years. So, like, it was – it went from a winless team to a you know, a yeah an undefeated team in a very short period of time. Um, but that and uh, – my brother uh, is a police officer in Tallahassee, and he uh, and we've always liked Florida State as well. Yeah, well, I don't know. Just that, remember, Florida State—they beat Alabama and Auburn. When? Like twenty years ago? Uh, Florida State beat Alabama in like '08, and then they beat Auburn in the national title in 2013. Well, I always got two favorite teams: uh, Alabama and whoever's playing Auburn. So I'm I'm good yeah, there. I tell you what, the the is it called the Egg Bowl or is it the Iron Bowl? Iron Bowl. The Egg Bowl's Mississippi State and Old Miss. Old Miss, yep. I love college football. Like uh, this last year, college football was a little rough for me. It wasn't very good watching. It was uh, weird. Yeah, uh, the last two years have been weird. But pro football has gotten better for me watching in the last couple of years. Uh, and as far as pro teams, like I like whoever is winning. <laughs> yeah, I'm not like a diehard fan. I mean, I've been to a bunch of Tampa. I, I was actually at the game that Tom Brady. Uh, through his 600th uh, touchdown pass, that was fun to watch. But nice, yeah, it's, yeah. I love. I keep football. up more with players in, in the NFL than I do with teams. I tell you, if we can get sports betting, we had sports betting here in Florida. We don't have it, uh, but we had it there for a short period of time before they got an injunction filed against them, and it made the game so much better. Like throwing a little like dollar bet on something like a game, you you watched it and you actually cared. Yeah, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Well, I finally got my my laptop up and working, and uh, I think just like the last two big stories, because getting uh, you know, run along pretty pretty well here. Uh, last two stories I wanted to talk about uh, are the ATF mass denial of e form ones, uh, and that are form ones, not e form ones, but form ones. And if you don't know what form ones are, uh, we've been talking about the NFA. Uh, you can actually buy a suppressor kit or make a suppressor if you own if you want to um you know through different things you know you just get the baffles and then maybe get like a housing and, and get it serialized and that's what you'd form one you'd send it to the etf you still got to pay your 200 dollars tax stamp uh but you you know you can't put it together until you get back your tax stamp so the etf has just had a mass disapproval of all pending form ones uh now there's been a whole bunch of shit about it because basically 
you know, there's been talk that the ATF is going to, uh, you know, come out with a lot more different rulings, whether it be uh, braces, um, yeah, binary triggers, uh, you know, or form ones. And, you know, there's a lot of talk and a lot of discussion of what's going on. And uh, basically, there hasn't been a whole lot of reasoning coming from the ETF for these. Uh, do you are you you know in any if do you own any NFA items there, Ethan? Oh yeah, I've got. I, I don't do the short barrel stuff because I like velocity and it's king. But uh, I have a, I have several suppressors. So I've gone through. I've actually got a few in what we call jail. But yeah, um, yeah, I've got a few waiting, and I'm I'm sitting there. And I'm like, it's been six months. Like, hurry up. <laughs> so, I, I the the whole and I know a few people that form one stuff and it never works out good for them because then they they don't know how to drill a straight hole. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't understand what is going on at the ATF right now because between the rare breed stuff, the the what is it, force retra- force reset triggers, force reset trigger. Yep. They they did that whole like rule change. They were trying to get through that you hadn't didn't, hadn't, hadn't heard heard anything about in a while uh, was with the braces and I believe there was like P eighty ghost guns in there too. Yep. Um, I remember commenting on them and that when they were on the uh, the registry, the federal yeah. register, yeah. So I mean it it's there's something going on at the ATF and they're planning some stuff. I think that that's going to be real bad for everybody involved. And it's because they're emboldened by a liberal administration. It is definitely, uh, like I said, strange times. I mean, with all the shit going on, uh, why would, I mean, it almost makes you wonder in space, you know, since they didn't, uh, comment on it, honestly, knowing government, it can be boiled down to one of two things. Either somebody pressed the wrong button and just massively denied everything instead of maybe deny like one he you know instead of hitting reply he replied all <laughs> or yeah. you know something something is going on and uh, they didn't want to talk about it so it's just a whole lot of a whole lot of what the fuck whole lot of what the fuck yeah can we talk about like where how all the gun grabbers got into the ATF and positions of power like can we talk about that for a minute cuz like how did that happen? Did it just happen overnight and I didn't notice it? Or has it just been a thing that's been happening for 50 years? And- it's definitely been happening, I think, for 30 years. I definitely think it started uh, in the 90s and maybe even a little bit before then. Uh, maybe in maybe even in the, the late 80s. Um, you know, you had Janet Reno, uh, you know, the attorney general for so long. And we've seen, you know, through fucking like Ruby Ridge and Waco, uh, how that went. Um, but, you know, you just had a lot of younger special agents in the ATF, you know, that that got hired on, you know, probably like in the late 80s to early 90s. And then now, you know, it's not like you can replace every, you know, ATF agent when a new president comes in. You know, really all they can do is just appoint the, the head of the agency. Um but, you know, you have those people that are now, you know, the higher chain of command and now they're running an agency. And you had them, you know, they, they got trained, I think, obviously wrong in the 90s because that's why you had Ruby Ridge. That's why you had Waco. Uh, you had all this shit going on and no consequences were had whatsoever with those whatever, no consequences. And because of that, they thought, oh, we're good. We're good to go. 
we can keep on going. And now those jokers are the ones leading the ATF. That, that's that's my thoughts anyway. Uh, on a on a completely related uh, yet hilarious uh, note, have you like ever just peruse the ATF Facebook page. Oh my god, you know they have to draw straws to who does that Facebook page. It is so glorious. Like any time that they post anything, it's like just a bunch of shit posters just going Ruby Ridge forever. <laughs> and what about Waco? <laughs> like, well, the it, fact it, that they just uh like redid like recelebrate or you know, like a memorial for the ATF agents that were killed at Waco. I'm like, are you that fucking like just dumb the best was like when they did the eight, the 50th anniversary of the atf and all of the comments are like <laughs> are like 50 years of fucking fourth amendment violations yeah they, she, it's it's really funny to me that people just hate them <laughs> and it doesn't matter what it is it could be just like hey you know the ATF is closed today for President's Day. Well, fucking the presidents, you know, the 17 or 1800s wouldn't want you around. You know, our first president, George Washington, would think you're a disgrace. It doesn't matter what the fuck they post. People are always going to come rake them through the coals. Oh, I love it. That, if you're in, like, a gun group on Facebook and, like, they have the little ATF man meme that pops up. Yes, all the time. <laughs> I love, I'm not a huge fan of, like, stupid-ass gun parts, but that ATF uh, meme where in the ejection port cover, where it's, like, as soon as you flip it open. Yeah. Yeah, that one's pretty good. I, I yeah. like that one. Yeah, what you got there? <laughs> How yep. long is that right? There, there was a video that a buddy of mine shared with me. It was a, it must have been a TikTok or something. It's a short-form content video it was like like an atf agent walking through the woods and a dude shooting in the background and the atf agent yells he goes he goes how long is that barrel and the guy yells back are those level four plates yeah <laughs> and the dude's like just fucking runs it's i thought it was hilarious i got got the dark humor on me and i i love the meme like culture I enjoy oh, the hell out of it hell yeah so the atf's up to their old shenanigans it's like it, something's gonna have to break with the atf and I think the only way the ATF is ever going to change is either through the legislator or in the courts. If they get start getting struck down in courts, and there is a, an important Supreme Court case coming up here soon yep. on firearms, that if you know that goes the way one way or the other, this the courts is the only way that the ATF is ever going to. I think. I mean, you could probably legislate around it, but you know, I mean, also as far as like having a bunch of tax stamps if the atf was directly supplemented with the tax stamp money you think they would uh they would probably approve those faster i was about to say process them a fuck done faster yeah now Absolutely. all your tax your tax stamp money goes into like a slush fund for the government so like there's no incentive for the atf to like actually go fast on any yep. except for cash jack yeah absolutely well, with that, let's go ahead and, and wrap up the main segment and start getting into the Gun Gear news and reviews. The first thing I'm going to talk about is uh, from comes just from the firearms blog, and it talks about uh, Sestava Arms USA now offering factory California compliant M70. Uh, and basically, what this is is basically that stupid little 
piece of plastic that looks like a fin uh, on the back of a uh, uh, grip for their uh, M70. Uh, I'm, you know, I understand. Uh, I want because California is is a great. Uh, it's a huge listening audience for this show. I understand that, <clears throat> but it's still so stupid. Uh, the shit that you guys have to go through to get around your fucking draconian gun control laws to make oh. your gun look that fucking stupid. The monster mash grips and the freaking uh, what's that thing where they have to break the action open to pull a mag out or the mag blocks and yep, it's it, there was one that was actually kind of interesting that they had like somehow the law had required them if if the trigger was in a certain place and they moved the trigger on an AR and got around all the laws. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's fucking wild. Uh, the new thing uh, from. Firearms blog talks about a new loadout bag from Elite Survival Systems. Uh, now, I have a really nice range bag uh, from Midway USA. It's like their brand, but it's like their whatever, the, the highest, you know, it's like a highest priced one you got. It's like a bunch of different pockets and shit. And I will say, <coughs> oh, excuse me, shit. But uh, a nice range bag can fucking make your range day trip so much better. It is. I mean, it's one of those simple things that you really don't think can make that much of a difference. You know, you just have, like, a duffel bag versus a, a nice, like, actual bag that's made, dedicated for range use. Uh, but it is it is a difference, and it is fucking gorgeous and wonderful. What kind of uh, range bag systems do you have when you hit the range? Well, so, if, uh, if I'm testing something I design, I'm going to have to bring spare parts and tools to make sure I can fix it on the fly. Um, you know, the a lot of my range bags have, I've actually gone really simple. I have a basic toolkit, uh, fix it sticks, a big fan of those. Um, mm -hmm. a basic cleaning kit, a couple different, uh, lubricants and extra mags in case I break one, you know, that, that's my, my normal range bag. And then when I'm shooting PRS, I do everything out of a backpack in PRS. So I'll have one or two, uh, support bags, but I don't, I try not to carry too much stuff and, I, I've gotten to the point where my range bag has a stapler and my targets, a couple mags, and I throw whatever ammo I need in it, and then a couple small tools. Yeah. Uh, you know, I do, like, a lot of farms instruction. Uh, so I will have – normally when I – you know, if I just have, like, my personal range day, like, I'll just have, like, my normal range bag that's maybe, I don't know, like, 18 inches long by, you know, 8 to 9 inches wide. And uh, – but, you know, if, if – I'm out for my instruction. I got like a huge like fishing tackle box uh, of like different different little parts, cleaners. You know, if in case like one of my you know students something breaks down of theirs, uh, you know we can easily get it fixed then and there. Or like you know there, uh, for some fucking reason, uh, we just got a bunch of new Smith and Wesson M&P 15s, and about like five of those fucking front sights have fallen off, and it's just because they weren't you know tighten very well so i put like a little bit of a loctite on there uh not like a super strong one <clears throat> and then fixed all that so that's normally what i carry uh but this right here the msrp is 159.99 which isn't too terribly bad i know it's a little bit sticker shock do you think for a bag uh but i mean it's got a lot of nice features on it uh something i particularly like about the is the target storage system in there um it's like the way the bag completely flips out from the top and then all the way unzips on the side and then it completely lays out, uh, it makes it nice to where you don't got to fold like targets, like bigger targets, you know, four to six times to make sure they fit into a range bag. It kind of, you know, maybe fold them in half or fold them, you know, in half twice, you know, and then you're good to go. 
so you don't have like a huge, you know, a bunch of creases uh, on your on your target whenever you hang it up and make it look all fucked up. Yeah, this this bag is actually really nice. Um, of course, I when I'm doing uh, my match stuff, I like to have as small as a footprint as possible. Yeah, it's actually funny. We I've actually gone and like uh, gone. My mother's very good at sewing, so I go up to her and I'm like, hey, I need this. It's just a little bag. It's got a zipper and a handle. That's all I need. And she'll make them, and I'll make twenty of them and give them to my friends. But uh, and we call them tactical snack packs. So I'll take the ammo, <laughs> the ammo out of boxes like pistol ammo. I don't like carrying boxes in my backpack, and then they're big and bulky, and I throw them in there. And I mean, that's always nice to have that kind of stuff, to, just to make it smaller. Like that's I'm all about just making stuff smaller because it's it. If you notice in a lot of these industry in this industry and a lot of the stuff that comes around with it, it's like. It just takes up a lot of space everywhere yep. you go, um, and then every you need and you start you, as you're shooting more and more. You need more stuff because you oh well I ha- I had my guide rod on my Glock break one time or I, I I broke this or I wore this part out and then I was screwed and I had to go home and it was two hours away you know and then you start carrying around with you and humans are kind of pack rat pack rats so I mean. I, I, I a good range bag you can't especially one that you have set up to where you can just grab it and throw it in the truck. Yep. That's where it's at. It really is. And the last product we're gonna talk about uh from the news comes from guns.com is Smith and Wesson adds two new optics ready uh M and P nine two point pistols. Uh now this and this is kind of something I've always thought about and uh, you know obviously with the amp it's very customizable but I think if you don't have a gun that's optics ready with suppressor sights and a threaded barrel you're wrong nowadays because of all the options that are out there for people uh, there's just so much that you could do to customize a pistol and it what I mean honestly what does it take extra to add that stuff to a, a design of a pistol so the fact that they come out with two new optics ready pistols and the 2.0 uh, it's really nice just because of the fact that, you know, optics are becoming more prevalent. Um, now, if I remember correctly, the amp pistol comes with the optics cut slide, right? Yeah, so it's cut for a red dot, uh, specifically the, if it fits the Trigicon RMR footprint. Now, that yep. being said, we are planning on offering different optics cuts because I've spent a lot of my time uh, setting up the different optics. So we cut everything except for the end point. I think it's the acro. Yep. It's the only one I have not cut for yet, uh, but I've cut every other optic on the market um, on a slide. And it really, and as far as machining goes, it probably takes us maybe a minute and a half to two minutes to put an optic on a slide. Like, it's th- four tools. It's not that hard. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, in, in different optic now, uh, different designs, you have to take into account that there are patents on optic designs, like Glock has patented the MOS cut, and yep. Zev patented threaded posts for some reason, but I have to deal with it, so it makes me angry. Yeah, um, yeah. so it, it takes nothing to put it on there. The, the biggest pain that I think that these companies see is they're set up to make one thing a million times. Yeah. And when you change anything, it screws up a lot of stuff. Uh, that and they have to now provide two screws and a plate to fill that gap. Now we make our plates out of aluminum, and we just buy the screws because uh, I'm not making a screw for on our plate that somebody's going to immediately take off their gun if they have any sense. Um, like I, just an anecdote on the amp. Uh, I was trying to shoot for accuracy, and I'm using iron sights, and I'm like 
I'm like, I'm getting normal Glock size groups, you know, and I'm like, this thing should be shooting better. I threw a red dot on it, shot one hole. I was like, oh, there we go. <laughs> I just had to put the right equipment on. Um, now, on the amp, our, our initial offering is going to be standard height sights because everybody likes the sights that they like, but it's yeah. Glock sights. You can throw whatever on there. I'm a big fan of lower third co-witness on a red dot. Yeah. And I also really like, and I haven't been able to convince anybody to do it yet, but putting the rear sight in front of the optic, I'm a big fan of that. If you haven't shot like a gun like that, it's 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 pretty life-changing. Is it really? So your dot is your primary optic. Now your dot's never interrupted with a sight. And also you have a honking piece of steel wedged into the slide right in front of your three or 400 or five $600 red dot protecting it from uh, direct strikes from the front. So... It actually nice. makes a whole lot of sense. When you really set it up, you, you see it. I have one gun set up with it. It's my 10-millimeter Glock I had cut, and it's 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 really nice. And the last thing I want to talk about for the Gun Gear News and Reviews, uh, it's going to be a new holster I got uh, sent in to me for review. It's from Craft Holsters. Uh, they specifically deal with leather holsters, which I'm uh, not, you know, I mainly use Kydex, but I think that there's a time and place for everything, including leather holsters, um, you know, and from I haven't, you know, I've had it, I think, exactly maybe just one week now, uh, and I've worn it about four or five times throughout the day, and it is a, you know, a really nicely well-built done holster i'm going to give a further review into it in the next podcast and possibly have them on uh to talk about their products but i'm just going to say like one thing like the presentation like when you first open it is really nice and really amazing uh just the fact that how they packaged it to al- almost like when you open up like a really nice expensive bottle of, of liquor uh how it's packaged that way uh it's it's really nice uh, and the prices aren't too terribly bad for for custom holsters. Uh, you starting around like fifty to sixty bucks, if I remember off the top of my head correctly. Uh, you got anything, Ethan, that you want to talk about? Any kind of products? Uh, really, uh, the only thing I, I saw the Hellcat Pro has got released. That that's been yeah. A lot of people have been really liking that. Um, I don't like anything. So sue me. <laughs> yeah. It I just don't, especially since they're made in Croatia. Um, I big thing at the company is American made. So I yeah, I got to stick, I got to stick with that. Uh, other than that, really, there's, it's gotta been a little bit, uh, not, not to say dead, but like uh, you got that post shot show lull of not a whole lot going on. Um, the hell Springfield wasn't even at shot show. I know. Right. Yeah. It was, and everybody liked that. Uh, what is that VHS or what is the thing that they, that bullpup that they put out? Yeah. That, that basically that import, um, that they're doing, and, and it wasn't even, you know, they were at, Springfield was at range day, but that bullpup wasn't even on range day, so it makes me wonder if they kind of shot their mouth off a little bit, uh, releasing it, and maybe they're starting to have import issues, especially now with the fucking war going on in Europe. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, but that, yeah, Springfield, they, they had some neat, decent products that, or they looked decent products come out, and then I'm just like, well, it's for Springfield, like, their M14s don't shoot very good as far as accuracy goes, and it's 2022. Like you can make a sub MOA M14 pretty easily. Yeah. <laughs> like Fulton Armory does it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's not like for me, I, I don't like like they had that uh, that chassis AR. And they they wanted the, like like two grand for it, and they put a ballistic advantage barrel in it. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> so there was a it like I said, it's it's the post shot show lull. Everybody's kind of 
getting on with life, uh, normal life afterwards. I haven't seen much in the the gun industry, though. Working hard on uh, whatever they're going to release towards the end of this year for Next Shot Show, trying to to make sure they get it in time so that way they have something to release. Oh, yeah, I've got I've got some stuff that is going to be coming out at Next Shot Show that you'll you'll probably find pretty interesting. But uh, or like I said, our main focus right now is 100 percent. My life is the ant pistol and it has been for the last four weeks. And it's 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 been kind of time consuming and tiring. But uh, a couple things I did want to bring up. Uh, our amp is only seven to ten ounces heavier than a Glock. Yeah, it's size. not much at all. Yeah. So it's I mean, but you're getting you're getting aluminum. Uh, yep. Other than that, I mean, that was the only thing that we we didn't actually get wrapped up when we were talking about it earlier. Yeah, everything else. I mean, it's it's it is it's, it's I'm excited about it, and I like I, I I just like a gun that shooting this thing does surely well. Even though my hand is swollen from shooting ten thousand rounds the other night, and I still haven't gotten my hand strength back. <laughs> but uh, I don't know anybody that does does a couple like ten thousand rounds and not have some adverse effects in their hands. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Definitely can't wait. Once it's like starts hitting the stores, you gotta let me know so that way I can I can push it out and uh, might try and get on that that pre order list myself. Do you do you do like uh, you do reviews and stuff like assuming articles? I haven't. I don't, yep. I'm not, yeah, you you do. I can see if I can get you a, a, a review sample. Probably That'd be next awesome. week or the week after. Uh, we we just got our cases like. The, the uh, another thing is finding a high quality case to go with the product that's adding value but not price. Um, but we just got those in, so now I'm like, hey, I got something to put this in now. So it, it, it's some really cool stuff that comes with the amp, like uh, and that the amp represents as far as American ingenuity, manufacturing, and uh, just having a customizable system. That I really hope that the gun industry takes um, and enjoys it and. And like I said, I'm always up for constructive criticism. If you just start talking like you want a 40 cal amp or you want it in 80, percent then I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to entertain that yet. <laughs> 357 sig, come on, man. Oh, I can make it. It's easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that part's easy because it's a nine millimeter base and it's all yeah. like it'll it'll handle it. But we haven't. Uh, we've just been basing everything on the nine millimeter at first. That's why we st- we actually stamp the uh, amps as a multi cal, so you could convert it. That's cool. So there's options there. But the whole point is, you know, the end user customizability. I didn't want to be like a lot of these different gun companies, especially the bigger they are, they, they just kind of do whatever they want to. And and we, we're still small enough and flexible enough that we can do what the customer actually wants us to do. And uh, a couple of things I didn't talk about as far as the amp goes, we do have a 100% lifetime guarantee on the amp. Fucking nice. If you break it, I will fix it. There's no caveat. Full stop. If I give this gun to a uh, 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 like a gun store that has a range and they break it, I'm going to fix it. I don't care. You could abuse in this thing. You could abuse this thing. I'm going to tell you you're an idiot if you're an idiot. But I'll do it nice. But it'll uh, <laughs> if uh, if you're riding the slide catch and you break something because of it, or you wear your slide out, or you you know put a Bubba's hot piss and reload in there and blow the slide up, well that sucks. But I'll fix it. I don't like it. Well, <laughs> I shouldn't say I shouldn't say Bubba's hot piss not reloads because technically reloads do void the warranty. But you, you get what I'm after. Yeah. So, uh, so you bought, bought a box of Winchester white box. Yeah. Well, we had we had a guy blow a slide with those, and then like oh yeah, fucking course. And and then we were just like, what happened? And then we got the slide, and I was like, there's no way 
this thing just blew up. We we got the slide and we just sent him a new one. Oh, yeah, whatever. But I want the slide back to see what happened. And I get to looking at it and I'm Rockwell testing. I'm like, everything's perfect on here except for the giant crack you had when the barrel lifted out, like peeled away like a banana. <laughs> but um, and we comes to come to find out it was actually a Winchester white box and it was in the middle of the recall. And I was like, I wonder if that was it. But uh, like I said, we will warranty it. Well, I, I'll fix, I'll fix your stupidity and I'll fix mine. So if I screw it up, I'll fix it. Or if you just wear it out, I'll fix it as long as, as long as it can be fixed. That's awesome, man. Well, if you got nothing else to say, we can go ahead and start getting into the gun culture segment and start wrapping it up. Oh, yeah. I'm in flight, high off a log, drunk from my hate. It's like I'm huffing pain. I love what the mark suffer. I suffocate right before I'm about to drown. She resuscitates me. She fucking hates me. And I love it. Wait, where you going? I'm leaving you. No, you ain't come back. We're running right back. Here we go again. It's so insane. Because when it's going good, it's going great. I'm Superman with the wind in his back. She's lowest lane, but when it's bad, it's awful. All right. The movie, well, TV series we're talking about today is, uh, it's based on, it's very interesting because you were talking about book series earlier. I'm a huge book series person. Uh, I'm just not getting into the Jack Carr book series. Uh, Those are good. Yes. Those are really good. That's actually a show coming out next year or this year. Yes, that's what made me start. Pratt. Yes, that's what made me start reading it is because I knew the show was coming out. So I was like, oh, "This look, this you know, sounded really good." So I, I, I started reading it. Just almost finished with the first book. Uh, there's another one, another series that I really liked called Going Home. Uh, it's like a like an EMP event uh, hit, like a mass coronial, uh, you know, hit, and all the electricity went out. Uh, there's a, like, I'm a huge fan of book series, Monster Hunter International. I'm a huge fucking Monster Hunter International fan. Uh, uh, I've never heard of it, but I'm, I'm going to check it out because I, I'm a, I'm a sucker for post-apocalyptic style books. I love them. I can't uh, handle it. Like, uh, if you ever, the remaining series by uh, yes. DJ Molay, that is awesome. And they, uh, the follow-up is the Harden series, which is way darker, and I'm all about it. Yeah, Monster Hunter International is about like, uh, like, it, what if fucking like vampires and werewolves and shit were real, and then like there's these teams of people that go and like hunt them down and kill them. It's really cool. I'm gonna uh, check that out. I got some credits on Audible, so I, yes. I listen to audiobooks while I'm designing stuff, and yep. it, it just helps me work more efficiently because yeah, it's both. quiet. I normally do both. Uh, well, and I have terrible tendonitis, uh, you know, and so I always got to have something in the background. Uh, so it's always either like a podcast, an audio book, uh, music, and then, you know, I'll read. Uh, I still like I still love reading normal books, but uh, this fucking something getting old. Uh, got glasses like two years ago for the first time ever. And, uh, like I just was putting them on today and I was reading them and I was like, fuck, I think I'm gonna have to go back and like get a stronger prescription cause I was just getting headaches and shit. But anyway, uh, this series, if you haven't seen it, it's uh, on Amazon and it's called Reacher. Now it's not the bullshit movie that Tom Cruise was in, in, I was but, about to say that, that movie was total garbage. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was an, it was an action flick, which, okay. Wasn't, it, wasn't it there two movies? Yes. It was just, yeah, they did a sequel, didn't they? Yeah, no, yep. they were they, I only saw the first one, it was shitty, so I didn't. But I mean, if you've ever read the books uh, about Jack Reacher, I mean, Jack Reacher is an imposing dude, like he's fucking tall and big and like he just is looks like a shit brick house based on the books and uh, like fucking Tom Cruise's 5 foot 6 ass like just did not do it for Reacher for me. 
So, so I actually just finished watching Re- the the last episode of Reacher a couple days ago. And yeah. that was really good. There was only a couple things I really had problems with. And it was the entire time he was in Iraq walking around with a freaking soft cap on and out in <laughs> yeah. sector by himself. I'm like, what are you doing? You're going to get shot in the face. <laughs> or become a fucking YouTube sensation with your head getting cut off. Yeah, but uh, but no, that dude like that dude was like basically Sasquatch. That guy is massive. Yep. And it, it was so true to the books. That's what I liked about it as well. So like it, it's... It's kind of like uh, I don't, if I don't know if you're like you're a Lord of the Rings fan, but like the the like the movies did the books justice. So you know that's one thing I kind of liked about it is that it didn't go like I said it didn't go with like a five foot six uh, Tom Cruise as Jack Reacher. You know, like this dude looked like a fucking lineman uh, from Nebraska, like just a corn fed motherfucker. And the you know the shooting scenes wasn't like too ridiculous. To where, like, you know, one of the guns he used in there was uh, Desert Eagle Mark uh, 19. You I know, have a like, problem because it didn't jam. <laughs> well, but at least, like, he wasn't shooting it through the whole entire movie and it never, you know, never changed a magazine. You know, that's, yeah. I can't stand it when there's dumb shit like that in there. Oh, yeah. But, uh, the, uh, I mean, like, the series as a whole, I found it very interesting. Now, I can suspend disbelief really well. Um, yeah, the Desert Eagle not jamming kind of made me upset, but it is what it is. Yeah, and it was it was cool because there's also like some uh, like you know some cartel stuff in there, uh, you know, which like to me I think I mean personally you know just not get too much into politics, but I think like cartels are like the biggest threat to our borders, uh, you know, outside obviously of like you know just general terrorism, uh, like cartels just running for like fucking lawless. Uh, to the south of our border is is terrifying. Yeah, uh, the cartels will run a terrorist across if he pays them. Like exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you know, there's like some cartel, uh, you know, soldiers in there, and uh, you know, it was that was pretty badass, and like just how the fact that he was, you know, just analytically, it was like it's like a tactical Sherlock Holmes almost is the best way you could describe Jack Reacher. Like he's fighting. Uh, one of the cartel soldiers, and you know, he goes talk to the police, and he's like, uh, obviously, he's special forces from Colombia because he used this technique, and only Colombia and, and Israel uses it. And he didn't look Israeli, you know, or some it was some bullshit like that that he was mentioning. Uh, and is you know, like I said, it's pretty cool. And if you ever read the books, uh, it's very kind of true to it. So yeah, it's, it's very American Sherlock Holmes, like. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's Sherlock, just Sherlock Holmes with a giant guts, really, and big muscles is what it comes down to. Yep. Now I, I'm a big fan of Sherlock Holmes. Now that I, I love that stuff. Yep. Uh, you know, there's Glock 17s in there, Glock 26, uh, 1911, uh, the Smith and Wesson 5946. Now I love the Smith and Wesson 5900 series model pistols that just that's so fucking i mean besides like a beretta 92 it is so fucking iconic to me uh of the 90s in my opinion and they're actually very fucking sweet guns i've shot a few of them uh and i love them you ever shot a 5900 model like 5900 series smith and wessons uh actually no i haven't um i've never even actually held one uh you're probably a little older than i am but i'm How old 30 i'm 30 <laughs> not well, too terrible much longer i'm older. 30 i'm 32 but okay uh, all the years trying to blend together, but like this is a quintessential late '80s, early '90s cop handgun. Yes, 
Like it's in it's in all of the Hawaii Five O. You know, yep. like it, just, it goes it goes crazy with it. Yeah, and of course, uh, those guns are used by the the police in the Reacher series. Uh, this one's pretty interesting. There's a Sig uh, Sauer P two thirty two in there uh, that the uh, FBI agent has. Yeah, you don't you don't see those a lot. No, and when I saw it initially in the series, I thought it was um, uh, like a, a Walther. But yeah, it looks like a Walther thirty eight. Yeah, and, and then go through imfdb.org, which of course is our source for all of our uh, you know series and TV shows. Uh, it, they said it was the Sig P three two thirty two, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, there's a Smith and Wesson Model sixty in there, which those are pretty nice. Uh, and then, of course, for shotguns, you got a Remington 870, which is, of course, what the police use there, uh, a Mossberg 500 uh, Mariner, and then an over-under shotgun because they did some skeet shooting in there, uh, and then an M4A1 rifle and some AKMs. Other than that, that's pretty it. But, I mean, I really enjoyed this, uh, this series. I mean, if you're kind of like me, uh, during the weekends, you know, especially when the weather's super shitty uh, and you can't do a whole lot of other things. Uh, you know, that's something I go do. And then I've been sick as fuck this past week um, and, you know, haven't been able to sleep, so I'll get up and watch something. Uh, you know, last week we did Peacemaker, which was a great fucking series. Uh, and then this is on Amazon, which damn near just about everybody has an Amazon Prime account. Uh, you can go check this out. Amazon's Amazon's kind of killing it uh, with uh, series here lately. So uh, this is a good one. There's another the new Lord of the Rings uh, spinoff series is coming out on Amazon. I think it's it's Amazon. Uh, pretty interested, but check out Reacher. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, and let's go ahead and start wrapping up the show. I don't want to be lonely no more. Ethan, man, I greatly appreciate you uh, coming on the seer on the show today. Uh, go ahead for everyone. Uh, let them know where they can find Live Free Armory. Yeah, so livefreearmory.com and uh, the same on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, I think it's all of them. Yeah, Live Free Armory. Check out the amp if you want to get uh, if you want to get your hands on it first. Sign up for pre-orders. Uh, like I said, it's not charging us. It, it's not charging you up front. It's putting you on a list for us to contact you when they're available to buy. Um, and then keep an eye out because we're going to have some really, really cool stuff coming out in the next six months to a year, like, you know, leading up the SHOT Show. We're, we're developing a few products. We're just starting some new projects that are going to be really, really fun, I think, for especially for the shooting sports that, um, you know, rifle stuff, pistol stuff. You know, we're going to try to expand the amp line as, as we get launched here. And, it, and we're going to try to do it to where you can build the perfect gun and not have to do, really do anything to it. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely looking forward, uh, especially if you're able to send that review model. If not, like I said, I'll, I'll get in line uh, probably uh, in the summer uh, after I got, I got some other, like I said, kind of wish list things coming up right now. But I'm definitely looking forward to, to checking out that amp pistol. Uh, and if you haven't already, like I said, go ahead and hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. It's the best way to keep up with new podcast episodes as they're coming out. If you can, leave a review. It is the best way for people uh, to find us when they're looking 
looking for gun related content on their podcast platform check out our social medias everywhere to a lifestyle that's the number two a lifestyle except for instagram where it's spelled out t-w-o-a lifestyle and ethan i appreciate you coming on the show and talking to us about the amp pistol man oh yeah man anytime is great Feel me, roll through the city with the vroom vroom. I got hoes trying to get me in the room room. I get low when it hit me with the zoom zoom. I got foes in the semis in the deuce deuce like boom 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 uh boom boom yeah. boom boom. Uh, look. My brother finna get it in blood and you gotta pay for it. Finna hit the bank in a minute to get a bankroll. GDE.